Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. podcast is sponsored by Health IQ. And if you don't remember Health IQ from the previous episodes that they've sponsored, Health IQ is an insurance company on a mission to improve the world's health by rewarding runners, cyclists, weightlifters, swimmers, yogis, well-managed diabetics, and other Americans living a healthy lifestyle. They're actually the first insurance company rewarding patients with type 2 diabetes who manage their A1C with a healthy diet and exercise with large savings on their life insurance. To support the show and get a free quote, Go to healthiq.com slash DDT. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We're telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. My very special guest today, uh, I, ho- I think some of you will be more familiar with her than some other guests on my show, uh, and that makes me really excited because I think we're going to be able to dig in and uh, learn a lot more about her. Uh, Ms. Taylor Riggs. Taylor, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. And uh, we're excited to have you. I think a big part of you know, what I like to do on this show is to introduce the sort of type 1 diabetic behind uh, this uh, amazing person that we all see uh, out in the social media world. So I'm really excited to kind of hear both sides of that story today because for those of you who may not know, um, Taylor is a registered dietitian and uh, author and has multiple cookbooks, I believe, and uh, is your blog is Simply Taylor. So uh, we're really excited to kind of dig into all things Taylor Riggs today. <laughs> yeah, only only one cookbook. You're making me sound a little bit better than I really am, but uh, I'll I'll go with it. <laughs> okay, we'll just speak it into the speak it into existence. Uh, Manifest destiny. Okay. We'll get you. We'll get you to that second one if that's what you want uh, before long. Um, I love that. Sounds great. So for us, you know, we need to, and I think a great place always to start is diagnosis with, uh, you know, how, how did you come to be a part of this type 1 diabetes family? And then I think I have some uh, leading questions that will spill us out to get close the gap between then and now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, so I was diagnosed when I was 10. Um, so I was in the fifth grade, and I think I have probably a pretty typical diagnosis story. So um, I got super sick one weekend. It was uh, in the winter, and um, I, I can specifically remember that I had a a field trip the next day. <laughs> um, so it was it was Sunday, and I was um, yeah just super sick, flu like symptoms. Um, vomiting, all of that fun stuff. And I, I specifically remember asking my mom, um, so, you know, I, I'm going to be able to go on that field trip tomorrow, right? <laughs> um, definitely had some priorities there as a fifth grader, but um, she was like, no, definitely not. That's probably not going to happen. Um, so took me to the doctor the next day. Um, and I think originally they actually sent me home with um, 
you know, just some antibiotics or something like that, you know, thinking or, or some, you know, flu uh, medication, whatever it was, and, and you know, didn't necessarily catch, uh, catch that it was type one right off the bat. So they um, and I think it was just a, a few hours later, they ended up calling back and, you know, calling my parents and saying, Hey, you know, actually, I, I think this could be something else. Um, you know, let's have you go to children's hospital and, uh, and do some additional tests. Um, so from there, my, uh, my dad drove me to children's. Um, and I, I remember on the way there, I was, just so thirsty <laughs> that I I begged him to stop uh, at McDonald's to get me something to drink. And uh, of course, what I chose was, uh, do you remember like Heisey Orange? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. How could I forget? <laughs> yeah. Right. So I got like the biggest size possible of Heisey Orange, which, you know, <laughs> looking back, <laughs> you can laugh on, but was obviously not the, the greatest, uh, greatest thing I could have chosen. Um and just like absolutely devoured that, chugged it on the way to the hospital. Um, and then of course got there and did a bunch of different tests. And I, I think when, I think when I was diagnosed, I, my blood sugar was over a thousand. Oh man. Uh, so yeah, so I was very lucky if, if it had gone any longer, I'm, I could have been in a much different situation. Um, so I was very lucky that we kind of caught it, uh, at that point. I'm sure the high C orange didn't. <laughs> I was, was going to say, you never know where you started, but that high C orange for sure. Uh, kicked in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, I had a similar diagnosis morning, uh, because as all medical professionals know, um, soda like dr pepper uh, for example is a great uh nausea cure right um it's science look it up um but the uh so i was nauseous the morning of my diagnosis and vomited was kind of how it all started the day started and so at 8 30 in the morning what's what does a 16 year old do but reach for uh the medicine cabinet aka the fridge for uh dr pepper so yeah i was in the same boat as you just drinking all those calories and carbs right before going to do the uh, the blood sugar test. <laughs> right, I was just gonna just gonna try to amplify it as much as we can, right? <laughs> right. Um, uh, for you guys, you know, going into the hospital, um, you know, getting released with antibiotics, and then them calling back and saying, "Hey, uh, by the way, we found something." What was? Um, do you remember what you and your parents, you know, obviously you were very young, but, you know, it just maybe in the years to come have had conversations about, you know, the feelings around that type of experience? Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think just a combination of being younger and um, not in the most clear mental state. Sure. Um, a, a lot of it's a blur, but um, I do know I was in the uh, was in the hospital for, I think, five days Um and, you know, it's, it's funny having an adult perspective now and, and talking with my parents about it. It's, um, you know, you think as the kid that it's, it's bad for you. Um, but, you know, being able to, to kind of step back and look at it from a parent's perspective now, um, you know, thinking how stressful it was for them. And we didn't know anyone really who had um, type one. There's nobody in, in my family who has it um, and just didn't really know a lot about it. So, um I remember my mom saying, you know, at the end of those five days, they were like, okay, you can, 
you know, we, we've taught you everything we've done, you know, your carb counting, you can give your injections, all the typical stuff. And, um, you know, they told us that we could, could go home. And I remember my mom saying, we don't, we're not ready, (laughs) you know, like, can we stay a little bit longer? Um, you know, she's like, it's sort of like going home with a a brand new baby or, or something. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to look at from the adult perspective, uh, you know, now as an adult <laughs> and good for her for actually saying that and saying hey I, I don't know if we're you know ready to deal with the day-to-day because there is so much management and especially for a younger child um you know being 10 years old you're not exactly self-sufficient so you know there's a lot right. i think a lot of mental weight that parents go home with especially early on uh especially like you said if they don't know anything about type 1 which is you know most of us before there's a diagnosis of somebody that we know or in our family or ourselves, right? So um, mm-hmm. it's always an interesting, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated to talk to parents because a lot of them, I think, process it differently. Some of them, you know, aren't, don't accept the, what the doctors say, that there's nothing that could have caused it, and they look for things that they may have done, or some of them blame themselves or whatever that is, and some of them really, you know, take that on themselves and really become that sort of type 3 diabetic where they're taking care of, uh, you know, as a caregiver, um, and really owning that. And it's just, um, it's awesome to see it's, but it's also, you know, they, they deal with that diagnosis as well. And I don't know if they get enough credit sometimes for, um, you know, all the hardships that they, that they go through. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. They, all the, all the type one parents out there definitely don't get enough credit. <laughs> so let's talk about this for a second as well, because you're 10 years old, I think is a very, and this is my own theory. So I feel like when you're diagnosed uh, at a very early age, so before you're three uh, or around even even up to age like six, where you really don't remember much beforehand, if you know, if anything. And um, so your whole life you have diabetes. You're sort of used to it. That's that's your everyday. That's your normal. Um, Ten, you're about to go, you know, into those really tough teen years, te- tough for everyone, especially tough for someone living with a chronic illness. Um do you remember, does anything stand out to you from those years of like kind of getting your feet wet the first two, three, four years going into junior high and high school and dealing with those, you know, the pressures of the world as a teenager anyway? Um, How did you manage your type one at that time? Do you remember anything that stands out? Yeah. So um, I think you're right. I think it's kind of sometimes tough to to dive back into the real world after the you know kind of whirlwind of the diagnosis and everything um i did have a pretty a pretty tough time um you know kind of getting back into the swing of things just with school and um i always joke and i say you know i i don't know how i they let me graduate the fifth grade (laughs) um because (laughs) I, you know, I, I had a pretty tough time kind of going back full days and, and just getting used to that. I had really a lot of anxiety um, uh, around it. And, um, you know, my, my poor parents, I think they would, you know, have to drag me to school some days and, and beg me, <laughs> beg me to go in, um, you know, because I, I really had a tough time. I think I just had a lot of anxiety about, um, 
you know, about lows or, you know, being low, uh, kind of without them there and, and just kind of not being super familiar with what all that looked like yet. So, um, it took me a little while. And, and by the time I, you know, went back to school the next year, I, I was fine, you know, had the summer and everything, um, and, and kind of the remainder of, of that grade year. But, um, it took me a while just with school and, and even, you know, going to friends houses and, and feeling comfortable with that. Um, I remember, you know, seeing uh, my mom and at the, you know, at the time, I, I think maybe things are, are a little bit better now. Um, but at the time, you know, my mom tried to kind of seek out somebody for me to see, um, you know, just in terms of like, you know, going to a, to therapy or, you know, a, somebody to talk to and, and kind of work with on that anxiety part, which I don't think is um, often talked about enough. Um, but, you know, I, I remember like, we had these little assignments and, and one would be, you know, to like go out uh, on an outing with a friend or go to a friend's house or whatever it might be, which sounds so silly. Um, but you know, I think, uh, you know, one of, in the coming weeks after I was diagnosed, one of the things was, you know, go out. My mom was going to take me, me and a really good friend of mine to, to the mall. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was kind of a, a big leap. And, um, and we went to the mall and, you know, my mom's all worried about me, like the new <laughs> type one. And we're like coming down the escalator at one of the stores. And all of a sudden my friend, she's like, I don't, you know, I don't feel well and just passes out Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> at the bottom of the escalator. And my mom is like, what the heck? Like, you know, I'm, I think she was having low blood sugar and, uh, you know, my mom's like, you're, I'm not supposed to be worrying about that. <laughs> you know, I'm not supposed to be worried about what's going to happen to Taylor. And so it was just looking back again, it's one of those kind of funny stories, but, um, you know, it was just kind of little things like that of like getting me back into the, the groove of things and, and, you know, back into sort of real life, but with type one and, and, you know, trying to, to live as, as normal as possible going forward from that. Um, but I did, I did struggle a little bit with that for, for the first little while. So do you manage your A1C through eating well and exercising regularly? Of course you do. You listen to this podcast, you're on the cutting edge. Then you deserve the lower life insurance rates from health IQ. The only insurance company that's giving you savings, rewarding your healthy lifestyle. Just go to healthiq.com slash DDT diabetics doing things DDT to get your free quote and support the show. First of all, thank you for sharing the story about, you know, the struggles and, and the different anxieties and adjustments that you have to make. I think for parents of type ones who are listening to this podcast, maybe even teens as well, to see someone who, you know, because they can see you today, right? They see, you know, you're an adult, you're, uh, you know, living a successful life, doing what you want to do. And, and, um, to know that you struggled with your type one diabetes at some point, I think gives people some hope to hear those sort of vulnerable open, like, Hey, this is real life with diabetes. Uh, and you know, I still made it. I'm still here. I know for me, it helps me to meet people who have had type one for like over 40, 50 years because they're doing great. And just seeing that is like, Oh, well, if they made it on, boiling their own syringes and cow insulin, then I should be, <laughs> that I should be fine. <laughs> you know, I feel good about my chances given how much technology and, and research we have today. So, um, that was me sort of anyway, on roundabout way saying, you know, thank you for sharing that, uh, very personal story. And, and you're right. I think mental health is super important and maybe doesn't get talked about enough. 
in the diabetes world. But, you know, there's a research study uh, a few months ago that said that people with type 1 diabetes are three times as likely to suffer from anxiety and depression as someone without type 1. And so it's like it's looking at the world and how many people suffer from anxiety and depression. It's like, okay, it's a, it's an actual very chronic problem. And we're three times as likely to suffer from that. That's that's something that needs to be addressed probably earlier and more often uh, with people with diabetes. And so I know the psychosocial aspect of it is something that a lot of the big uh, research organizations, JDRF in particular, are starting to focus on because they know in mass we need to help people with type one diabetes understand that it's okay to go talk to you know about their problems and their anxiety or their diabetes with a therapist because it's a real real issue and um, you know along with other all the other stresses of everyday life can be pretty overwhelming yeah absolutely i i could not agree more it's good to see that there uh is starting to be a bigger focus on that um because like i said you know when i and this was 50 you know now it, it was really tough or you know at least where we were um you know my my mom i'm sure searched <laughs> high and low for um you know for somebody for us to see and um you know it definitely wasn't it wasn't an easy thing so and, and certainly nobody that we went to was um you know specialized in diabetes itself so it's it's cool to start seeing that as part of the actual care team um you know on a lot of uh you know on a lot of these endo teams and things like that so it is, and you know, uh, I'm I'm just glad that you know it's it's so it's so tough kind of for for me sometimes I have to take a step out of the community because I realize that I'm on like the tip of the iceberg of information of what's going on in the world of diabetes, and take a step out. And sometimes, you know, we take a lot of things personally. I'm sure you see in the diabetes internet that uh, type one diabetes patients, parents, advocates are uh, very passionate. Uh, for better or worse. And uh, sometimes we don't realize that, yeah, while there are a million and a half of us uh, in the U.S., like that's not that many compared to some of the other focuses of, of medicine and some of the other diseases. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think we take things really personally when people don't know about it. But, you know, we were also in that same boat uh, years ago. And I think now, thinking back to where your mom and, and dad were when you were 10 years old, and the lack of resources, you know, the internet, for example, not as easy to uh, navigate, not as much information there on this type of thing. Um, right. So I at least can get hopeful nowadays that, um, you know, with a few uh, well-placed Google searches that, uh, <laughs> you know, parents out there can get to the information that they're looking for and hopefully find somebody <laughs> that can point them in the right direction. Yes, that's right. All right. So let's fast forward a few years. Um, questions that I get a lot um are around going to college uh, for people with type 1 and specifically around uh, women who are going to college. And I can't always speak to that because I that wasn't my experience, right? So um, you uh, before we go and dive into your, um, your dietitian career, how did you decide that that was what you wanted to do? And you know, what were some of the diabetes-related uh, you know, checklists that you and your parents went through as you were going to college? Yeah, so um, so I decided on nutrition uh, because of of type one. Um, I when I was younger, I did see a dietitian quite a few times um, at my endo office, and 
just absolutely loved her, thought she was the most amazing person ever, thought, you know, her job would be so much fun. Um, so that's kind of a, initially, you know, why I got into nutrition. Um, my uh, interest changed a little bit for a little while and um, I'm kind of back kind of in the into the wellness space and um, um, did some health coaching for a while and I'm, you know, kind of uh, have gotten now more recently, you know, kind of back into the, um, the type one world, which has been really fun. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my initial, my initial reason for, for choosing dietetics and nutrition. Um, and just in terms of, uh, in terms of going to college or kind of getting ready, um, you know, I think it, it presented a, uh, you know, obviously a, a different challenge, um, and just, I was on, I was still on injections when I started college. Um, so I think that piece of, you know, I had gotten used to, I went to a pretty, a pretty small, um, you know, grade school and high school and, and had my good group of friends and I was always really comfortable around them and, and doing, you know, injections at, at lunch or, um, uh, you know, when being out and or testing my blood sugar and things like that. Um, so before pump and before CGM. <laughs> um, so I think that was probably the biggest thing is just trying to, um, you know, introduce it to new people and, you know, get comfortable again with just, you know, doing that kind of stuff when I needed to around people who weren't already familiar with it. Um, and, you know, kind of familiarizing my, my roommate <laughs> freshman year with all of that stuff when trying not to freak her out at the same time. Um, you know, I was not really like your, your typical kind of crazy college student. So <laughs> I, you know, didn't, I thankfully, um, you know, I, I don't think I ever really went through a period of like, rebellion or, uh, or anything like that, which is a, a typical age for it. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. Cause I know that's not like usually the typical experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think for me that, and then, you know, just kind of, um, you know, during college is when I transitioned and, um, really started being more, uh, I think I had Dexcom at the very end of, um, at the very end of high school. So it was kind of getting used to using that. And then of course, kind of transitioning to a pump during that time and, um, and, you know, kind of just the learning curve with, with that as well. So I think that was probably, probably the biggest things for me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of with you as well. I, I didn't really have much of a period of rebellion or anything like that. And I, but, and I'm grateful for it. And I think, um, it's, it's always cool to see the evolution though, you know, where you, where you start versus where you end. Everybody's so different. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that uh, as well. You mentioned, uh, you know, the switch from going going to injections to CGM. Uh, what do you treat with uh, today? What what is your uh, what's your diabetes treatment look like? Yeah, so today I use um, I just got the G six, which is amazing. <laughs> um, so I've worn uh, Dexcom for probably I think probably about ten years now, um, or maybe a little bit less. Uh, which has been wonderful and seeing the evolution of that has been great. Um, and then I wear Omnipod as well. So I started on Omnipod my second year in college um, and have been on it ever since. Awesome. And, and I know, you know, in, in uh, now that we're in the sort of age of, you know, CGM is being more widely accepted, uh, more people are pumping or, you know, able to use that data to, you know, help with their multiple daily injections. And there's, uh, 
Uh, I just got back from ADA, the ADA conference um, about a month ago. Uh, and just like the amount of hybrid closed loop solutions that are going to be on the market here in the next two or three years is pretty exciting as well. So um, that's awesome. You are yeah. you are a potter, and I think um, I, I know this is a this is not your or, or the purpose of this interview is to not talk about your career, but that's also your you've now shifted I think relatively recently at least to a career in diabetes if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's that's right. So about almost a year ago, um, I actually started working uh, at Insulet or with with uh, with Omnipod um, as a clinical specialist. So I do um, a, a large part of my job is you know training patients, getting started on the product, um, and you know just supporting uh, physicians' offices and and things like that, kind of uh, out in the field. So um, it's been an awesome experience and, and, uh, super fun to be, you know, involved in, in type one for, you know, in, in the career aspect too. Um, which, you know, I think some, I think sometimes people think, you know, gosh, don't, doesn't that get you burned out with <laughs> doing that every day and, and living with it too. Um, but I think, I think it's been great and it's, it's been so much fun. So. Well, and I think you, you mentioned this a little bit earlier when you were going to college, you, um, pursued nutrition because of type one. To, and so I think it's kind of cool to see it come to fruition, right? Like you're, you're doing what you set out to do. And I think there's just a lot to be said for, you know, the perseverance, persistence, like starting with the goal and now being able to have that impact. Um, you know, to, especially to people for me, for me as well, like getting to help people who are like me, um, pe- people with diabetes are my people. So, you know, a- any chance I get to add value to their lives is a win for me. So I'm sure you get some of that. And I think that helps alleviate some of the, you know, quote unquote diabetes burnout, because, you know, it's one thing to just take in a lot of diabetes content all the time. I trust me, I uh, relate on a biblical level with that, uh, with that <laughs> type of burnout. But it's a different type of, I think it fills, what fills me up is to get to interact and have meaningful conversations with people like you or, you know, answer a question or provide a little bit of, uh, you know, reassurance or help to somebody in the community. Those types of things uh, are the perfect antidote for any kind of burnout. So um, I imagine it's a little bit similar for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree 100%. Um, I think, yeah, I think sometimes it can, from the outside, it can seem, you know, like a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, diabetes in, intake or input, uh, you know, in your life. But I think just like what you said, it's, that's the, I think the best part to me is just getting to interact with, you know, other people with type one or, or type two, whatever it might be, um, just every day and, and being able to, like you said, yeah, answer questions or even, you know, I, I learn from other people <laughs> every day too. And, and, you know, especially working with others, um, you know, in the field, I, I learn so much, um, and, and get to teach too, which is, which is pretty awesome. That is awesome. And, you know, uh, admirable as well. So thank you for, for doing that. It's, uh, you know, people don't get told thank you enough for what they do in their everyday. So, uh, thank you on, <laughs> on behalf of uh, on behalf of everyone with type one diabetes. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so, 
On another note, so uh, stepping away from the career a little bit, let's kind of go and talk a little bit more about Simply Taylor, uh, which I think now is Taylor double underscore Riggs on Instagram, at least. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's so, just my name. <laughs> okay, yeah, just going a little rebrand there. But that's right. Um, your cookbook, let's talk about where that kind of came from, how you, I, I love your food photography. It's it's so impressive and great, consistent. Um, and I'm a type of person who looks for those things. So uh, <laughs> how, where did that kind of come from? Where, and how did you, um, you know, find the time and, and prioritize sort of your passion project, side project to make that a reality? Yeah, so um, I started blogging probably, uh, I think it was my second year uh, in college and was just very much getting into, you know, the nutrition thing and was on kind of a, a fitness kick and, you know, started, I think it was really around the time when, um, you know, blogging started to become kind of popular and I don't even think Instagram wasn't even really like a big thing yet. Um which is like, seems kind of funny to think about, but, um, so yeah, so I think I just started reading other blogs at that time and, um, you know, other kind of fitness, wellness recipe blogs and, um, was really interested in them and just thought, you know, Hey, this, this might be something that I could do or that I would enjoy. Um, so kind of started there and would just post about like workouts that I did or, uh, you know, recipes that I made, not even necessarily my own, but if I, you know, had tried someone else's or, um, something like that. And then, you know, the Instagram world, I, I think when I started, I felt like Instagram was sort of a safe place because not a lot of people were on it. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, I can, you know, I can put some stuff out there and, um, and without too many people like seeing it or thinking that it's weird, like I'll just kind of test things out. Um, and then of course it, it just kind of, um, you know, formed into what, what it is today and, and, you know, kind of boomed and, um, but yeah, so I think I, I've always been really into uh, into cooking. My my family is is really big on cooking, especially my mom's side. Um, so I just grew up uh, always in the kitchen. I feel like, and um, you know, with my grandma, my mom, um, you know, my my mom's brothers and sisters, and um, and so I think like a lot of families had a lot of uh, a lot of our gatherings were were based around you know food and holidays and all of that kind of stuff, of course. So. Um, so yeah, I think I always had just kind of an interest in cooking and, you know, in, at this time kind of took a new interest in, you know, how can I be making healthier recipes and, uh, you know, sort of transforming some favorites into things that had a little bit, you know, healthier ingredients, um, you know, just kind of, again, getting into that that um, more into nutrition and wellness and of course, um, you know, noticed it helping with blood sugar and, and things like that as well. So um, yeah, so that's kind of how it all stemmed and, and uh, eventually, um, you know, kind of as I was finishing up my internship for dietetics um, to, you know, kind of finish out things and, and become a dietitian, I uh, was approached about creating a cookbook, um, which I initially thought the the email I received from the publishing company was like spam or something. I was like, there's no way <laughs> this can be can be true. Um, but kind of got into uh, into that as I was finishing out uh, my internship and and you know, kind of starting my first full time uh, full time job as a dietitian. 
um, you know, right out of school. So it was a, a little bit crazy for a while, um, but it was an awesome, awesome experience. And, um, you know, so fun to actually see it come to fruition and, and be able to hold it in your hands, um, you know, when it's finished and, and kind of see people have it now, which is the best feeling. So, yeah, isn't it cool to like, um, you know, I imagine make, like making something, putting that much effort into it and then seeing someone with it or talking about it. And um, I don't know, there's just a lot of gratification coming from like on a maker perspective, like you made that. That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's like it's cool to to see the physical thing and, and be able to hold it and think like, gosh, I've been, <laughs> you know, this is, I promise I wasn't making this up, everyone. It's a real <laughs> <laughs> this product. It's not, not just like a way to get out of hanging out with people or get out of appointments you don't want to go to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, great. Well, so I, I want to, this is, uh, I don't know, I'm putting you on the spot here, uh, but your give me your favorite like maybe it's not in the cookbook even but what's your favorite recipe for you know when you're making something for you when you're making something for taylor what's uh what's your go-to oh gosh um i feel like i have so many but um i think probably one of my my favorites from the book or one of my go-tos from the book that's just super easy um it's not like a full meal or anything but it is the there's a recipe called just the everyday granola in there um so it's really it's really simple to make it's just a few ingredients and um and you just throw it in the oven for for a little while and and then you I kind of keep it on hand throughout the week so I'll put it like um, you know, in yogurt, or I'll just kind of grab a handful for a snack. Um, so I think that's, that's probably one of my favorites and also probably one of the favorites that I've seen people make, uh, um, you know, from the, from the book. So it's just super easy and, um, it's good and can kind of be used in a lot of different ways <laughs> throughout the week. So that's what I like. There it is. Everyday granola. Love it. That's right. That's right. Delicious. <laughs> uh, so for you, um, Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the future of, you know, as you, as you look forward, what kind of, you know, being on the forefront of, you know, social media and, and, you know, seeing conversations in the, in the type one community, uh, working in the type one community, you know, your background, um, in nutrition, what kind of gives you hope for the future of life with diabetes? Yeah. Um, I, I think probably, you know, just kind of working in the space now and, and certainly working with, uh, with devices and, and all of that, I think it has made me just even more excited for technology and what's coming in the future. I mean, like you mentioned, there's so many, um, you know, closed loop systems out there and, and things that are kind of uh, coming on the horizon. And I think it's just really fun to think about, um, you know, just thinking back of when I was diagnosed and, you know, my parents were mixing insulins and, you know, NPH and all of these, um, you know, all of those fun things. And it's, it's just so much fun to see, you know, where we've come now. I was just showing my mom, my, uh, my Dexcom the other day and, uh, the, the G6 and the insertion and everything. And she was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is amazing. She can remember, obviously, you know, she did my insertions for a long time and oh, <laughs> she man. was 
you know, just, just blown away by it. So I think it's, it's just so cool to see. Um, I think, you know, being in the technology kind of spaces has opened my eyes even more to what's out there and what's coming. Um, you know, and, and I think I always tell people it's, it's never a good time to get diabetes, but, uh, if, if you're going to have it now's, now's a pretty, a pretty great one. So, yeah, I, I really do believe we're living in the best time, uh, for type one, right. If there is such a thing. Um, and I think that gives me a lot of hope, right. Uh, because that's going to continue to be the case going forward, uh, whether it's technology or research or advocacy or, you know, people like you and me who are living our lives and with, uh, you know, type one diabetes in the, in the forefront, people are able to find other people. Maybe that, like you said, there were, there was nobody physically around you when you were diagnosed and that was same for me. So now, you know, somebody who lives in the sticks in Alaska could find somebody to connect with about type one, um, and, you know, just be their friend. And that to me gives me a lot of hope. I like to call it the T1D Renaissance, uh, patent yeah. trademark pending on that, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, but yeah, I think it really is like a cool time to be, uh, around all other awesome people with type one. Yeah. Yeah. I think overall, just with community and, and technology, I think it's just, it's easier. I mean, I don't think type one is ever easy, but I think, um, you know, I, I think all that we have with just social media and again, all the, the different technology that's out there, um, you know, it, it does help those, those connections to be, uh, you know, to be better and just to make your, your day to day easier with, with diabetes and whatever capacity that means for you. Totally agree. And I think I want to, I want to stay in that kind of same vein. Um, and I asked this question to all my guests. And so, um, if you are, if you listen to the podcast to the end, you have heard it before. Um, context is important. Uh, so, um, you gotta imagine that you're in an airport and they're about to close the door to your gate. And for whatever reason, you can't miss the flight. There's somebody, something, somebody waiting on the other end. Uh, that you can't miss, but you bump into somebody who has either recently been diagnosed or is struggling with their type 1 diabetes, and you, what do you say to them in that 30 seconds? What's the one thing you leave them with? Yeah, um, I think I would just say, you know, don't let it don't let it stop you from doing anything that you want to do. Um, you know, there's there's nothing diabetes should prevent you from from doing in your life. Um, and then also just you know, find, find that community, find some connections. Um, I think I didn't become involved in the, the, uh, kind of type one community for a long time. Um, and, and now being involved in it with work and, and social media, um, it's, it's just absolutely the best thing being able to, uh, you know, to talk to and connect to others who, who go through the same thing. So I think, uh, I think that would be my message. Well, what a message indeed. Um, and then you get whisked off on the jet and you make it to your, uh, to whatever you're going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Taylor, thanks so much for, for taking the time, uh, to come on the podcast and share your story and kind of give us a little bit of insight as to your life with type one. And also thanks for being so flexible. Uh, you and I have been working to really working overtime to try to make this happen over the last few months. And I'm really glad that we were able to. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. 
Uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, anything that uh, anything that I missed that you uh, that you want to cover? Any this is now you've got the floor now, so this is like your your chance. Uh, what uh, and, and also we got to plug you. Uh, you're now Taylor Riggs on Instagram. Um, two underscores, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I I think uh, I think we covered it all. But yeah. Um, you know, I love connecting with people on social media and and being involved in the Type One community. So, um, yeah, please let's let's connect. I love it. Well, we'll include all the relevant links in the show notes. And Taylor, for you, uh, thanks again so much for coming on and for all the awesome work you do uh, in the Type One community, but as as well behind the scenes. Uh, you know, in your career and, and with your cookbook, um, you know, you really are an awesome figure in the community. And I want to give you a lot of encouragement your way to keep on doing what you do. Well, thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for having me. And, and same to you. It's uh, I'm, I'm glad that we've been we've connected over the past couple of years. Same here. And uh, looking forward to uh, whatever comes next for us. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> That's right. This podcast is sponsored by Health IQ. And if you don't remember Health IQ from the previous episodes that they've sponsored, Health IQ is an insurance company on a mission to improve the world's health by rewarding runners, cyclists, weightlifters, swimmers, yogis, well-managed diabetics, and other Americans living a healthy lifestyle. They're actually the first insurance company rewarding patients with type 2 diabetes who manage their A1C with a healthy diet and exercise with large savings on their life insurance. To support the show and get a free quote, Go to healthiq.com slash DDT.